The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, I wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, everybody. Will Brinson, he is out this week, which isn't a huge surprise. He takes a lot of vacations in the summertime. But uh, the All-32 continues. It's me, Ryan Wilson, filling in for Will Brinson. And today we have fanhouse legend, my former <laughs> co-worker from back in the day, Steph Stradley, who covers the Texans for the Houston Chronicle. Steph, how are you doing? I am doing well. This is bonkers. Like, I- I've talked to... I talked to someone else. I can't remember who it is now that that was a, a fan house alum. And that started back in 06. That is, that's crazy that we, if we're being honest, we basically invented sports interneting, I feel like. Well, I, you know, I, I think that there was like four of us that were from the start to the end. Yeah. Michael David Smith was an OG. Steph was an OG. I was there. I don't know who the fourth one was, but um, <sighs> I'm sure they're doing well wherever they are. I'm sure. And they'll let us know. You are legitimately invested in, in Texas uh, and, and the Texans as a team, uh, sort of the, the whole experience. I know you're a season ticket holder and uh, you, you live and breathe uh, Texans football. So uh, appreciate you joining us. So let's start here. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins is gone. I don't think a lot of Texans fans are super pumped about that. So what would this <laughs> offense look like with Bill O'Brien? Let me just say this. Bill O'Brien I think, and we've talked about this on this podcast with, with Brinson and, and John Breach and Shawak McGuff. We give Bill O'Brien a hard time, um, but he wins football games. I think the issue is it's hard to separate Bill O'Brien, the coach, from Bill O'Brien, the general manager. So, what does the loss of DeAndre, DeAndre Hopkins mean for this offense, and, and what's Bill O'Brien's plan in, in a post-Hopkins world? Well, I mean, I think arguably, you know, Hopkins was the best player on the offense and had been the best player on the offense for a while. Like he is, is the easy button. You know, he was getting a large percentage of the offense uh, targets. And frankly, that is not the trend in the modern NFL. But I mean, part of that was, you know, for example, last year, he was one of the few players that had you know, wide receivers that have functional hamstrings and you just traded that guy away, you know, and, and unfortunately, you know, what the risk factors of hamstring injuries are, are you a fast person and have you had hamstring injuries in the past? So I think they're just kind of hoping that this player, DeAndre Hopkins, who missed very little time on the field, um, 
you know, that he goes away and then magically everybody else who's on the team is healthy. And, and the, and the idea is, you know, their offense will be like, you know, what they want it to be, which is instead of forcing the ball to the player that is the best player, they move the ball around to what the matchups say the ball should go to. So, um, what was your initial reaction when you saw the headline, presumably on Twitter? That Dandre Hopkins was gone, because I think the 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 chrono- chronology was, hey, the Texans traded for David Johnson. That's interesting. And then the the punchline was, oh, and they also traded DeAndre Hopkins. Well, how was that roller coaster? The fifteen minutes for you? Well, I mean, it's it's kind of complicated because there's there's the issues of them as players, and then there's the issues of the business of the NFL. Like for example, you know, before all this happened, everybody was thinking, oh, well. They might have to do a Brock deal. Arizona might have to do a Brock deal to get rid of David Johnson's contract, that they might have to give away a pick to get induce somebody to take this, this contract of a player that's been injured and hasn't been performing well. I mean, in the modern NFL, people who pay a lot for a running back usually regret it because, you know, the average running back is pretty good running back compared to whatever the running back that you overpay for. Um, I mean, because the modern NFL tends to be a passing NFL. So, but all that aside, this all happened when the world seemed to be coming to an end. Like we had already had the coronavirus shutdowns. At the moment it was announced, I had coronavirus. So I wasn't feeling particularly great at that moment. And so, yeah, like, okay, you just got rid of the best player that gets 40% of your targets. You just took on this contract of a player that in the modern NFL, you don't take running back contracts of somebody like that. And they've never had a good offense the whole time that Bill O'Brien has been running the team. Like when you bring on somebody who's supposed to be an offensive-minded head coach – you would think that you would find that show up in your offensive stats. And like from an efficiency standpoint, they have been a terrible offense, terrible offense. Now, part of that is for some of that time, they could depend on their defense being good and that's gone on the wayside. So the weight of the world is on Deshaun Watson. That's, that's where the Texans are right now. And so let me ask you this. Um, is this offense better today than it was five months ago? Deshaun Watson clearly is the best player on this offense, but is David Johnson going to be able to look like David Johnson we saw a few years ago, or is he washed? We know DeAndre Hopkins is gone. Can can guys like Randall Cobb and, and Brandon Cook step up? How do you how do you feel about this offense now compared to to say December or January? Uh, you know. I have to say that if you just have a whole bunch of years of terrible offenses, you know, just offenses that you can't depend on other than Deshaun Watson doing miracle stuff, it's hard to have like a higher level of optimism for it. Like, and, and, you know, this isn't the most ideal season to getting, you know, good chemistry with a bunch of new players. And, and, and theoretically, you know, this is supposed to be an offense that's a similar to, you know, what he ran in New England, you know, with no Tom Brady, of course. And even New England has had issues over the years 
um, it, incorporating new wide, rece- wide receivers because there's certain obligations that those wide receivers are supposed to have. And if you are truly going to be a matchup offense where you're taking advantage of what the defense you know, defense's weaknesses are, then, you know, you need to have some level of chemistry. And I don't know if they're going to be able to to have it. Like, I don't feel great taking the worst player off your team and getting a bunch of players that maybe we would be happy about it if this was three years ago. Like, this is the three years ago offseason when you're adding Brandon Cooks, Randall Cobb, and David Johnson. Yeah, no, I think that makes sense. And it's worth noting, you're you're pretty optimistic. So for you to you know, not be super overflowing with praise, I think is, is telling. Um, so, so well, I mean, I don't, I don't really think of it as optimism or pessimism because I think that tends to be kind of an egocentric term where like, here's where I stand on things and anything that's different than what I think offensively or defensively, you know, that's, you know, optimism or pessimism. I just think that, you know, fans generally want some realism and, and, you know, we now know enough of Bill O'Brien to go, it is magical thinking to think that all of a sudden with these changes, everything's better. And that like, now he has the offense that he wants. Everything's going to be better. Now the flip side of that is even though the weight of the world is on Deshaun Watson, he is a remarkable human being. Like he's a remarkable player but he's also a remarkable human being as far as he elevates the people around him. And there is nothing that he personally can do that could surprise me anymore. Cause he's already done in the short period of time that he's been with the Texans. He's already done things that I haven't seen on a football field and he does it during practice, but he especially does it like his best moments are during games where the play breaks down and he throws a touchdown with one eye, you know, like, (laughs) like, you know, his, his helmet spins around. He can't see what's happening. He thinks his eye might've been poked out and he throws a touchdown pass, or it looks like two, two defenders are about to kill him. He spins out and runs away. I mean, he, he is the best person on this offense and, you know, the offense is going to completely depend on him. And part of Bill O'Brien being named the GM is not necessarily that things are different than they were in the past. Part of that, as I understand it from what I, what I hear is putting the responsibility on him, that there is one person who's responsible for this being put together. Like the buck stops with him now. Like there isn't, cause you know, there, there was a legitimate question about whether GMs in the past were giving, putting a roster together that was more, you know, hey, let's develop these guys, let's develop these guys. And in the meantime, you're wasting the talent of the guys that you already have. Right. Like, it's clear that Bill O'Brien wants players that are good players that know how to play. And, you know, you, whatever you can say about them, you know, Randall Cobb, Brandon Cooks, Kenny Stills, players that he added are players that know how to play. Laramie Tunsil knows how to play. Like you're not developing a guy. And so they're still developing people, but he's getting a more veteran cast. And I think for many years, the way that the Texans were, they had older players that were too old and too young and not enough guys in the middle. 
So like now he's responsible for what this roster is and the roster composition has been a problem for many years. Yeah. I, I think a lot of, a lot of people echo exactly what you just said. There's stuff. Um, all right, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back to talk more Texans. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of new balance clutch athletics and rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars, Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. All right, Seth, we talked about the offense a little bit, and, and you laid uh, laid out your thoughts about Deshaun, Wat- De- Wat- Deshaun Watson's importance. And, and, I mean, he clearly – he could arguably be one of the most important players – to his team of any team in the NFL. But let's talk about the other side of the ball where another really important player in Texans history has struggled with injuries in recent years. Um, J.J. Watt said he's not eyeing a new contract extension. We talked about the injuries there. Um, he has two brothers playing in Pittsburgh. Uh, do you think he'll end his career in Houston? Or will they, you know, the, I was talking to, to the Steelers beat reporter last week, Jim Wexel for Steel City Insider, and he, he, you know, he loves the idea of J.J. Watt coming there. I'm sure you're less thrilled about it. But what are your feelings on J.J. Watt uh, in terms of where he ends his career and even when that may happen? Because I think he's 31 right now. Yeah, you know, for the type of position he plays, he could play for a while. And, you know, the only limitations to him is his own desire to play. And I don't think that he wants to play where he doesn't have a chance to win or that he's playing at a high level. Now, he recently said he wants to retire a Houston Texan. Um, I, I'm not sure why he would particularly want to go to the Steelers, um, given their quarterback situation, because he's already been familiar enough with the situation where the quarterback position is in flux. And I'm not just saying that to kind of dig on you, Ryan. But I am. <laughs> That's disrespectful to TJ and Derek. That's what that is. <laughs> But I mean, I, you know, I think I would never bet against JJ Watt. Like, you know, the, the only things that have hindered him are, you know, just his personal health. Now he's had various things that he's, he's dealt with, but I mean, I, I think he's trying to work smarter. I, I think the biggest issue that he has is he's the best player on the defense and it's not even close. And you know, the Texans haven't had draft picks because they had to, you know, they they didn't have to. They got rid of a number of draft picks to get to help their offense, which needed help. But in the meantime, their their defense has issues. And, you know, the biggest problem that they had last year, and I don't think, you know, given their current roster, it's solved, is it didn't matter how great Deshaun Watson played if your opposing co- – quarterback has the same quarterback rating as Deshaun Watson or better because your defense is bad, you're going to have a hard time every week. And when you play legitimately good quarterbacks, you're doomed. Like, like I know people were upset about the playoff loss against Kansas City after having such um, a big lead at the beginning, but I'm like, the you know, Kansas City has a good scheme on offense. The Texans do not. And they didn't have a defense that could go toe to toe with a healthy Kansas City team. And so that's going to be their problem. I don't, I don't see 
how their off-season changes do one thing to help their defense at all. It's funny you mention that because our buddies, the Football Outsiders, ranked the Texans defense last year 26 overall, and then you mentioned the off-season. Uh, in terms of free agency, I don't think they did anything noteworthy in terms of not yet. In terms of bolstering the defense, not yet. And then an offense, uh, excuse me, in the draft they got Ross Blacklock, who uh, who I liked a lot, and Jonathan Bernard, an edge rusher in the second, and third round, and then John Reed, a, a day three cornerback who a lot of people like, including our producer Debo, who's a Penn State guy. But I, I think your overall point is one that is that going to magically fix this defense that was bottom third, and I, I don't think it is. So w- if there's a specific position group on defense that you're most concerned about that you would love to see uh, uh, see them step up and, and maybe that affects the overall um, productivity of this defense. What is there one that sticks out to you? Well, I mean, I would, I'd like to feel more comfortable about the secondary, but I don't, you know, that's not, that's not a position that you can go to Costco and go, you know, I actually like to get a good cornerback here. I don't feel comfortable with them uh, at, at, defensive line but you know they they already got rid of jd Clowney. i mean he's available now that would be funny that would be fun to get jd Clowney back but you know he actually wants a decent contract and he's he's a player that is really difficult to value because he's he's unique with both his injury history background and that he's a disruptive defensive line backer defensive lineman but he's not a great pass rusher, right? Like, like a traditional pass rusher. Like he disrupts the quarterback a lot, but he's not getting the sack totals that you normally get if you want to have a top of the league uh, salary. So um, let's take a, a broader overarching view of the organization. Um, according to Vegas, they're plus 300 to win the AFC South, which is third best in the division. And more importantly, their win total is set at eight. So in, in your mind, what feels like the the ceiling for this team in terms of wins, and what's what's the floor based on what we just talked about? Well, I mean, I think it's fair to say that the AFC South is not a division that you should rely on as like, oh, this is the gangbuster division that's going to have the great team come out of it. Um, I, you know, Bill O'Brien has done very good within the division, and I think part of that is he. And, and it's a plus on him. He find he is a scrappy guy. He is going to find any way to win based on the team that he has on the field. So if he's having issues with the team, he doesn't mind you know running the ball over and over again just to eat up time because he knows his defense is terrible and he wants to keep them off the field. Um, so like he'll do what he can to win, um, but. I, I mean, I just don't – I think that, you know, the Houston Texans are going to be all about how much can Deshaun Watson carry the team. The end. <laughs> so do you want to give us a number? Like if this team wins seven games, that feels like a disappointment. If this, if this team wins 11 games, that would feel like it's huge, right? Well, you know, in, in some ways in Houston, everybody's in massive – disappointment with the team like first of all people are not happy with Bill O'Brien because his style of of play is boring that they feel like they he's they he's wasted players careers like you know Deshaun Watson when he first came in the league you know he was you know 
throwing the ball down the field, lots of points and all that. He gets hurt, comes back. Everybody's like, oh, Deshaun Watson's going to be great. And then they're playing him as though he has to, you know, hand off the ball all the time, like hand off the ball, hand off the ball, and then him having to do a miracle for third down. Like, so people are, you know, at some point you get sick of a particular coach. Now he's GM, which that doesn't make people particularly happy with that. They were trustworthy because, you know, people in Houston are used to having good GMs running their other teams and have had good results with that. And so, you know, it's a very specialized world and, you know, they're not happy with that. And now for a certain segment of the fan base, they're not happy with the social issues where, you know, Bill O'Brien has said that he is going to kneel with the anthem. Right. And some fans in this part of the world are not good with it. And other fans are, but even the fans that are good with his, his stance are not good with him as a coach or a GM. So it's, you know, it's almost like you're waiting for whatever comes next. Like, Oh, you didn't hire a GM because then you'd have to fire that guy too. Like that's the very cynical view of it. Yeah. Bill, Bill O'Brien. And by the way, Steph, we call him Bill O'Brenson on the show. Cause he reminds us a lot of Brenson in terms of his decision-making, but he's a very, oh, no. so feel free to use that. He's very complicated in terms of things he does. And, and you're right. There are sides of him that you like, and there are sides of him that you just can't make sense of. And I don't know if anyone agrees with all three sides of Bill, o, Bill I almost called him Bill O'Brien, Bill O'Brien, the coach, the GM, and, and the advocate for, for, um, you know, black players. So that, that is a, an interesting story. So you can, you can read, uh, Steph's stuff at the Houston Chronicle. You can follow her on Twitter at Steph Stradley. Steph, great talk. Anytime. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.